Welcome to the Strong Sassy Single Mom Podcast. I'm Josie Smith. I'm a single mom of teens, personal growth junkie, entrepreneur and business owner, writer, creator, and coach. You don't have to be a single parent to get value out of this podcast, but if you are, I'm here to remind you that you're not alone in the journey. And I'm here to help you remind yourself who you are, to reclaim your identity, and grow your confidence as a parent, to help you with the strategies to manage your time, your finances, and your personal relationships, to help you rediscover yourself beyond the roles you've taken on, and to reconnect with yourself on a deeper level so you can create the life for yourself and for your family that you've always dreamed of. Because you deserve it. In this podcast, you'll find a combination of real, tangible strategies you can implement in your life, as well as the tools to help you navigate some of the deep inner work that needs to take place in order to take your identity and your life to the next level. We are digging into all of it. Are you ready? Let's do it. Before we get into this episode, I just wanted to add this quick preface in here. If you have small kids around, you might want to grab your headphones. There may be some language in this episode, so if you have small kids and that bothers you, you might want to just pop in your headphones and let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode of the podcast. Today, I am going to be talking about communication and co-parenting. So today's episode is for all the parents who are co-parenting with somebody who does not live under their roof, somebody they are not in a relationship with or no longer in a relationship with, and they are they're trying to co-parent and raise their kids um, together as best as possible. And a lot of times these relationships can be wonderful and you can have a great co-parenting relationship with the other parent. Um, but a lot of times this situation can be a little bit tumultuous. There can be some conflict and you don't always agree on things. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about both sides of that, um, more about the difficult relationships, just because it seems that most of the time, if you have a good relationship, you've pretty much figured out the communication side of it. But I'm going to talk a little bit about that too. If you have a good relationship with the other parent, you know how beneficial it is to everyone involved. Being able to communicate and agree on things most of the time, you know how helpful it is to have an ally when there might be challenges with things involving the kids and how beneficial it is for the kids to see you getting along because it limits their own stress and their own anxiety and they know that they feel safe with both of you. They know that both homes and both parents are safe places for them. A lot of times you're able to even include each other and each other's families in special events when that's possible, like birthday parties or holidays. I've had birthday parties where I have had my family and the other parent's family and the other parent in my home to celebrate the kid's birthday. And if you 
are able to get along and do that, that's that's a great thing for the kid to be able to experience and see because they don't feel like they have to split their time between you and the other parent and that either one of you is being left out from something that they're enjoying. Um, another piece of this is that sometimes step parents are involved and when possible, if if all the relationships are healthy, having a step parent involved is another wonderful addition to the family. Sometimes I think that as parents, we get a little bit uncomfortable if another person steps in in a role that is a parenting role because we get afraid that we're going to be replaced or that our kids are going to choose the other person over us. And we all have an unlimited capacity for love. Children especially have an unlimited capacity for love. You're never going to be replaced. You know that this is true if you have more than one child because you don't love the first one less when the second one is born. And why would you want to rob your children of the opportunity to have a relationship with another person in their lives who really truly loves them? Imagine looking at your four-year-old and telling her, you have enough love for now. I don't think you deserve to have anyone else in your life who loves you. You would never do that. Step parents can also be a beautiful asset to your child's life because they can help to support either you, if it's your partner, or the other parent, if it's their partner, when things get challenging in their own homes. And they can form their own relationships with the kids. They can bring different perspectives to the conversation. And if all the relationships involved are, are healthy and open and you're able to have communication with everybody involved, that is the most ideal situation for the kids. Obviously, this is not always the case. A lot of times, relationships between co-parents are not great. They're not healthy. You don't have good communication. Um, and that's why you're not together. And so the primary thing that I really wanted to talk about today is the communication in these situations, in these relationships. And so I just have five key points here that I kind of want to dig into a little bit. Five tips five rules of communication when it comes to dealing with a challenging co-parenting situation that can help you either with your communication or help you just kind of maintain sanity and maintain clarity and, and maintain peace in your own home, in your own relationship, and to protect your kids from being dragged into anything that might not be for their good. So number one, most important thing is when you have to communicate with the other parent is to stick 
to the facts and the necessities. Keep it concise, keep it quick, keep it brief, keep it only to the facts and the important things and the things that you absolutely need to discuss. Talk only about the children, only about the things that are going to affect the children. There's literally no reason to discuss anything else. You don't need to discuss who's dating who, who went where last Friday night when it wasn't their weekend with the kids, or even little insignificant things that do involve the kids, like when your son tells you he stayed up until 10.30 that weekend, but bedtime at your house is at 10. You do not have to engage in any type of conflict that somebody tries to pull you into. It takes two to have a conflict. And so if you choose not to engage, there is no conflict. If something comes up that you sense is going to turn into conflict, you say more by saying less. The more you stay quiet and don't engage, the less there will be conflict. Now, I'm not talking about letting the person get away with things that are blatantly going to hurt the kids in any way. I'm talking about not getting baited into an unnecessary argument over how much you spent that week on Starbucks or how much that new purse cost because the other person simply just wants to argue about something. It's important in these scenarios to just stick to the parenting plan Whatever parenting plan you have come up with, whether it's filed in the courts or you guys have decided between yourselves, however, if this is a relationship where there is a lot of conflict, I would strongly suggest that you have a parenting plan filed with the court so that you have something to fall back on if things get even more difficult. Stick to the parenting plan and only discuss the things that are going to affect the kids, that are going to affect their schedules, and keep your conversations short, concise, and to the point. Number two, focus on what is in your control. You are not in control of other people's feelings. You're not in control of other people's actions. You're not in control of the way somebody treats you or the things they say to you. You're only in control of the ways that you choose to react, the things you choose to say, and whether or not you choose to engage in an unhealthy conversation or an unhealthy confrontation. Focus on what is in your control. What the other person says is not within your control. What the other person does is not within your control. How you react to that, however, is. And that's what you need to focus on. Your reactions, your words, your actions, how you respond to a situation that could potentially get out of hand or turn into a major conflict if you don't keep yourself under control. Also not within your control are the basic rules of the other household. 
I'm talking about what kinds of foods they eat, what time bedtime is, how much video game time the kids get, whether they have chores or get an allowance. Outside of things that might be safety concerns, like, for example, if the other parent doesn't seem to mind if your teenagers have friends over and they drink, outside of major safety concerns, if it's not dangerous and it's not illegal, it might be inconvenient and it might not always be the way you do things and it might make your kid tired or cranky or even give them a little tummy ache if they eat too much ice cream or something like that. The thing is, if you've attempted to address this issue in the past and the other parent has made it pretty clear that they don't care what you think, you just have to let it go. I know it can be hard and I know it might even feel like you're failing your kids because of all the studies you've read and all the parenting advice you've heard, but I promise you're not failing. Number three, do not engage in conversations, especially conversations that could potentially turn into a conflict in front of the kids. Don't take the opportunity to start a conversation at pick up, drop off, kid swap, whatever, when the kids are around. When the kids have to constantly witness or be around conflict between their parents. It's going to make them anxious, stressed. They're going to get sad. They're going to get angry. They're going to have, they're going to be more prone to being depressed and they're going to start to associate these negative emotions with these drop-offs or handoffs or with alternating time between one parent or the other parent. And they're going to start to feel anxious when it comes time to either go to the other parent's house or come to your house. And, and they're not going to want to do that. It's going to make them very, very stressed and very anxious. They're also going to worry about the other parent when they leave with one of you because they don't have an opportunity to witness that parent that they're leaving kind of recover from the conflict or, or see them show that they are okay. Number four, when there are conflicts, don't get the kids involved. Don't put your child in the middle of a conflict. It is not their job to be the referee or to mediate arguments between the two of you. It's not their job to stroke your ego or make you feel better about something you said or something you did or something you didn't do. It doesn't matter if they are four or 14 or 24 or you think they're old enough or mature enough to handle whatever it is. It's not their job. Putting them in the middle, putting them in a position where they feel like they have to mediate, that's not their responsibility. They have their own feelings and insecurities that they're trying to work through. And if you try to pull them into your shit, you invalidate those feelings. You invalidate their insecurities because they have to push them down and hide them because they feel like they have to be there for you, to support you, to parent you. And that's just not fair. 
if you feel like you need to bring your child into your conflict because you need validation that you're right or validation that the other person is wrong or validation that you haven't hurt them in some way, you're telling them that your feelings matter more than their feelings. You're making them feel like their feelings are insignificant in comparison to yours. You're telling them that it's their job to make you feel better about your problems and what you're dealing with when the reality is you're supposed to be the one supporting them, protecting them, making sure that they feel safe and heard and understood and loved. And when they have to shut down their own feelings in order to stroke your ego, they're put in a position where they feel like they just don't matter. And what they feel doesn't matter. And if you are a parent who's trying to co-parent with somebody who's making it a habit to put the child in the middle of conflicts, you need to recognize that. And you need to start protecting your child from the other parent. You may need to stop sharing so much with the other parent in order to protect your child from being put in the middle. And that might look like if your child feels a certain way and you feel like you should tell the other parent because they feel a certain way because of something the other parent did or said or didn't do, you may need to just focus on trying to help the child work through that without making the other parent even aware of the situation. Because if the other parent hasn't proven that they're going to take the actions necessary to actually correct the behaviors or be there for the child, they're not a safe place to be able to share those feelings and those emotions and those fears and insecurities. They haven't proven that they're a safe place for you or for the child. And you might just need to take a step back and stop sharing so much in an effort to protect the child from being hurt any further. And finally, number five, don't talk negatively about the other parent to the kids. And along with that, make sure that your support system, your family, your friends, anybody on quote unquote your side who spends time with the kids, make sure that they know that they are not to speak negatively about the other parent to the kids as well. And this really goes back to a lot of what I talked about in number four, but also regardless of your relationship with the other parent, your kids have a relationship with the other parent. That's their parent. And they have a right to that relationship and they have a right to feel how they feel about their parent. It's not your job to point out all the things that the other parent does wrong or all the ways that the other parent falls short. It's your job to make sure that your kids are taken care of, that they're loved, that they're safe, that they are allowed to express how they feel and they're allowed to feel 
however it is that they feel. Now, there are times when you're going to need to validate your children's feelings if they feel a certain way about the other parent. If they are hurt over something the other parent has done, validate those feelings. You can validate their feelings. You can you can show them that it's okay to feel a certain way. And you can tell them things like, that sounds like it probably really hurts. Or that would make me very sad if that happened to me. You can say things like that without saying, yeah, I know your dad's a piece of shit. There are times when you might have to correct lies, but try to do so in a way that doesn't demean the other parent. Like an example might be if the kid comes to you and says, dad says you only use the child support to get your hair and nails done when you should be using it to buy me new shoes. You can explain to the child in an age-appropriate way that the purpose of child support is to help support them and that there are bills that need to be paid because you are supporting them. You need to buy groceries. You need to pay the mortgage. You need to pay the electric bill. And the purpose of child support is to help pay the bills that go to support the child's life. Beyond that, you don't need to justify how you spend your money. And you don't have to say that your dad's a liar. Your kids will come to their own conclusions about both of their parents as they get older and more mature. If one of you is constantly speaking negatively about the other one, the kids are going to start to learn that that parent is not a safe place to share their feelings. Even if they're angry with one of you for some reason, deep down, you're their parent and they still love you. In a moment of anger or frustration, it might feel good to them to have the other parent take their side, so to speak, and join them in putting down the, quote, guilty parent. But when the dust settles and they have a chance to really think about things, their feelings of love for their parents are going to override any frustration that they might have had in a brief moment. And suddenly it doesn't feel so good to think about the things that were said by the one parent who was demeaning or putting down the other parent. And they might even feel guilty for inciting the conversation in the first place and for encouraging that parent to say the things that he or she said. And over time, they're going to start trusting that parent less and sharing less with them because of it. And you don't want that to be you. These rules haven't always been followed perfectly in my own personal situations. There have been times when I could have handled things better, handled conflict better, and times when the other person could have too. But after nearly 20 years of co-parenting, dealing with so many different dynamics with different people, different family members, different situations, I feel like being aware of these things I'm at a point where I at least have the ability to recognize more quickly when I fall short so I can do a better job of getting back on track. And when you get to a point 
where you've more or less mastered these five rules, you'll find that there's far less conflict. Little things don't bother you like they may be used to. Your kids are happier and need less reassurance about things they might have used to be anxious about. And depending on the dynamics of the relationship between you and the other parent and the underlying reason for the conflict in the first place, over time, you might find you're able to communicate more openly and more freely and reach a place where you don't have to necessarily follow all these rules anymore. But that's going to take time and a lot of patience and a lot of self-reflection on both of your parts. But remember, like I said before, you have no control over the other person or what they choose to do or not do. So focus on your own patience and your own self-reflection. And over time, even if the other person chooses not to, you'll still be healing and finding peace for yourself and for your kids. It's important to recognize that the things that I'm talking about today all pertain to relationships that are just simply difficult, where the communication is a challenge, where there might be a lot of conflict, just difficult. I am not talking about relationships that are dangerous. If the relationship has been or is abusive in any way. I am not speaking to that at all. If there is any form of abuse toward you or your children, those are conversations that need to be had with attorneys and when necessary, involving the police. Thanks for tuning in to the Strong Sassy Single Mom podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, share it with a friend or take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. And be sure to tag me so I can share you in my stories too. And if anything I talked about today really spoke to you, send me a DM. I'd love to hear from you. As always, it's been an honor to have this conversation with you today. And until next time, you got this.